Yeah, the scripture we're going to be looking at this morning is found in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. And Jesus is in the midst of His famous Sermon on the Mount. And He's addressing a group of people who desire to follow Him. And so as He's unpacking what it means to follow Him and this kingdom ethic that He has, He comes to these verses. And this is what He says. He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Many of you have heard this passage before, and we even as a church use that phrase, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. We use it on some stationery and our website. But what does it mean? What is Jesus trying to communicate here? I want to unpack this passage by looking at three categories of light, three characteristics of light. I want to look at the origin of light, the nature of light, and the purpose of light. First, let's look at the origin of light. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Which begs the question, where did you get the light from? How did you become the light of the world? And this concept of light uh, can find its origin back in the book of Genesis, when God created all there is. And in Genesis 1, this is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that light was good. So we see light finding its origin in God. But throughout the scripture, we see not only is light described as that which comes from the sun or these light fixtures here or a flashlight. But we also see that the concept of light and the concept of dark being used in a metaphorical sense. To refer to spiritual life. You know, life the way it's meant to be. And so we see in uh, 1 John 1, 5, the Apostle John says this about light. He says, God is light. And in Him, there is no darkness at all. And then in John's Gospel, Jesus says in, in chapter 8, verse 12, this is what Jesus says. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so we see the origin of light tracing its way back to God Himself, whether you're talking about the sunlight, or in a metaphorical sense, this idea of spiritual life. Life with God. Life the way it's meant to be lived. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then in this passage we're looking at this morning, He says... You are the light of the world. So what has happened there? Well, back in, back in Christmas, many of you were here when we had a, a candlelight service, or you've been involved in a candlelight service. And you know how that kind of goes and unfolds. You darken the room. Everybody has a candle. Someone at the front, maybe one of the pastors, they grab something that can, that can create light, like a lighter. And so they take the lighter... They strike it, and they light their candle. And then, they take their candle, and they light the candle of those around them, 
And then they do the same. And the next thing you know, the whole congregation has a lit candle. But one of the things that we need to recognize in that, in that service, and one of the things I observed is that as I was standing there with my candle, it did not just automatically burst into flames. You know, it, it could not create its own light. And so we had to wait until the light was passed from one candle to the other. Because a candle cannot create light, it can just possess and transfer light. But it cannot create it. And so when the pastor lit the first candle, we were able to take the light and transfer it to other candles, and yet his light still remained strong as ever. And then everyone's candle was lit. And so when Jesus says, I am the light of the world... He's saying, I am the life. In other places in Scripture, he'll say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In other words, you cannot light your candle with anything else but Christ. But once your candle is lit, you are the light of the world. And you can take this light and transfer it to others. And that's what we've seen all throughout the church. People... People's candles being lit by Christ, and then they seek to light others with the same love for Christ that they have. And so we see the origin of light finding its roots in God. He's the creator of light. He is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, is my candle lit? Am I in Christ? Do I trust Christ as my Lord and Savior? If so... You are the light of the world. But what does that mean? What's our our role? What is the nature of light? Jesus says, A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And so Jesus uses two illustrations to show the purpose of being light in the world. He says, first, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. It's pretty obvious. If you were in a a flat area of the world and there was this huge hill or mountain and someone built a huge city on top of it, it'd be difficult to hide it. It's not meant to be hid. It's, It's a city that's on a hill. We're supposed to see it. It's visible. And so Jesus says, you're the light of the world. You're meant to be seen. You're meant to be visible. It's what Christ has done in you is meant to be put on display for the world to see. It would be very difficult to hide a city on a hill. You'd have to go to some great lengths to do that. And so in the same way, it would be very difficult to hide the fact that you have the light of Christ in your heart and in your life. Because it's meant to be seen. It's meant to be visible. And so when people look at our church and they look at our lives, you know, what do they see? He also uses the illustration of a lamp. And in, in Jesus' day, they would have these houses and they would not have many windows. Uh, one commentator mentioned that they may have one window about 18 inches wide. And they would take this lamp and the lamp was, I try to think of something to compare it to, kind of like a gravy bowl. You know, gravy bowl is kind of long and slender. You can pour the gravy. It, it was kind of like that. You had a kind of a gravy bowl, but it was filled with oil, some type of oil that would you know, ignite and, and keep a wick lit. And so you would have this lamp, and it would be lit, 
And obviously you didn't have matches back then or a lighter. And so you'd want to keep your lamp lit. You didn't want the fire to go out because it was a hassle to get it lit again. And so you wanted to keep it lit. And so here's what you would do. While you were at home, you would take your lamp and you would put it in the highest place in the room to maximize the light. And that's why we have all these lights in the ceiling instead of in the floor. Because we want to maximize the potential of these lights to light the room. And so that's what they would do. They would have this house. They would put the lamp up high. But what do you do when you leave the house? You didn't have smoke alarms and sprinkler systems. So what would you do? Well, you would take the lamp and you would put it perhaps on the floor. And then you would take something like a pot, maybe like a clay pot. Or he says a basket, something that you could put over the lamp. The lamp would continue to burn, but the danger of burning down your house would be eliminated. So you would take the lamp off the stand, put it down, cover it. It would keep burning, but you just wouldn't, it wouldn't be used the way it's supposed to be used while you left the house. And then when you come back, you take the, the pot off and you raise the lamp so it can give light again. So light comes from God. It's meant to be visible. But here's, here's the, the tendency I see in my own life at times, and perhaps you, do, you feel as well. When we leave this place, these gatherings of believers, of Christians, we go into the world where people are trying to light their candles with so many different things other than God. And they're trying to build their lives on so many other things other than Christ. We walk into that, into that dark place, the darkness, where people are pursuing everything under the sun. Some people are pursuing Christ, others are not. It's a dark, there's a darkness there spiritually. Maybe it's your workplace, maybe it's your neighborhood, maybe it's your family. Uh, it could be any type of context that you could be in. But here's our tendency, I think, sometimes, is to, when we go into the dark place, we tend to get it backwards. It's, we take the lamp, and when we go into the dark place, we take the lamp off the lampstand and put it under the pot. And then when we come to church, or we come to, and, and you're, we're around other Christians, we take the pot off, and we raise the lamp up. You know, everybody see my lamp here? You know. It's easier to do it that way. But my tendency, and maybe yours is as well, when I enter a dark place, the thing is with light, it doesn't matter how strong the light is, when you're in a dark place and you, and you light a light, it could be a little pin light, everybody sees it. And so when you go into a dark place where people have different beliefs, they're seeking out different things in their lives, and you put on display that you're in love with Christ and you're walking with Christ, that's what it looks like to put the lamp on the lampstand. But our tendency sometimes is to say, well, I'll put the lamp on the lampstand when I'm at church or when I'm with other Christians, but when I'm in the world and there's darkness, I'm just going to put this pot over there. I'll keep it burning, but we don't need to really make it known too much. But Jesus says, you're the light of the world. A city on a hill, it's hard to hide that. You're a lamp. You're meant to light up the room. And so when people look at your life and they see how, not just how you deal with the good things in life, but how do you deal with disappointment and illness and tragedy 
how do you deal with the difficult things of life? When they see you deal with that in a way that points them to the greatness and goodness of God, your lamp is on the lampstand. So that is the nature of light. It's meant to be visible. Lastly, we see that there's a purpose here to the light. Jesus says, Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so there's two purposes of light. And they're kind of one and the same. When the lights come on, you see where you need to go and you see where you don't need to go. There's this guiding aspect of light and this warning aspect of light. If you've driven down uh, Wrightsboro Road and you've passed Daniel Field there at night, you notice that there are all these lights and there's a string of lights that are in a row uh, running parallel to each other uh, along the runway. Or maybe you've flown into an airport at night and you've seen the lights lit up down the runway. Well, why are they there? Why are these lights there? Well, they're to help the pilot to say, this is the way to safety. This is the way to life. Land the plane here. Don't land the plane on Wrightsboro Road you know, or in Forest Hills. You know, land the plane on the runway. That's where it's meant to be. And so the lights on the runway, the lights in the room, the lights are in this room. They're meant to show us where we need to go, where we need to be, and they also show us where we don't need to be and where we don't need to go. Don't fly the plane into Forest Hills or down Wrightsboro Road or into the Bilo. You know, fly it right here on the runway. That's where it needs to be. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a story that is told about uh, this battleship. This, this great battleship was sailing in the ocean, and in a distance, it, it sees a flicker of light. And so it gets on the radio, it calls ahead to whatever this may be, this other ship, or whatever it may be, and he says, uh, we are a, a large battleship. Uh, we would suggest that you veer off course about 15 degrees south to avoid collision. Well, the other ship radios back and he says, uh, well, we would recommend that you veer off course 15 degrees south in order to avoid collision. Well, the captain gets back on the, on the radio and says, um, we're a large battleship from a very powerful country and we recommend that you veer off course 15 degrees to avoid collision. Gets a reply back and says, we recommend that you veer off course to avoid the collision. Well, the captain's irate now. He, and he just, just unleashes on this guy. He says, do you recognize who we are and what we could do to you? You need to turn your ship 15 degrees south to avoid collision. And then he gets a radio signal back and says, we are a lighthouse. <laughs> it's your call. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, yes, 
Light is meant to guide us in a certain direction, but it's also to show us, hey, we don't want to go there. <laughs> we don't want to drive the battleship into the cliff. And so light serves that purpose as well. And so when I look at my life, and maybe when you look at your life, you ask yourself, if I have the light of Christ, where am I guiding people? And how I work, and how I relate to my family, my Maybe my spouse, or my child, or my parent, or my grandparent, or my grandchild, or my neighbor, or people that don't look just like me, or are in the same social class as me, or are from the same country as me, or whatever it may be. How do I relate to these people? How do I relate to these circumstances? Do I relate to these things in such a way that my life becomes a signpost to the greatness of God? You know, one, one scholar said this. He said, there are some painters whose favorite works are portraits of themselves. And there are many writings whose central figures are the authors. There are many famous songs that are about the singer. But here, Jesus is saying, God, and not me and not you, should be the end of all our action. And there should be this message that we're sending with our life, with this light that we've been given. And so in order to guide people to Christ, we must first know Christ. You know, to pass the, the flame from one candle to the other, your candle has to be lit. Or you can't do it. To be the light of the world, you have to know the light of the world. And if you do know the light of the world, then it is visible. It can't help but be visible. And it's not visible just to be seen, to put you on display, but it's actually visible to point people to the greatness and the goodness and the redemption that God offers. And so as we sing this final hymn together this morning. My prayer is that, first of all, if you don't know Christ, your candle's not lit, you know, you're seeking to find life and forgiveness and satisfaction and all these other things other than Christ, perhaps today is the day that you want to light your life on fire with the love of Christ. I encourage you to do that. If you know Christ, like many of you do, I pray that you would put it on display. Even as we saw just briefly with baptism, it, it puts it on display. We are Christians. We want to walk with Christ. We want to point people to Christ. And maybe you could consider this morning, as we leave here, how does my life point people to the greatness and goodness of God? If you want to join this church, if you want to be baptized, I would love to talk to you about that as well. So let's stand and respond to God in this final yeah.